You're listening to Save the Date, the number one podcast about all things wedding In the first part of this podcast, we talked about modern marriage, what it means to get hitched and stay hitched or not. Now we're moving on to the fun stuff, what you'll be doing post-wedding after the confetti has settled, the hangovers are gone, and it's just you and him or she and her or him and him for the next, I don't know, one to 60 years, depending on how well it goes. So I'm going to ask, what sort of marriage do you want? Because as my guest today, therapist Susan Pease Godois and journalist Vicky Larson, co-authors of The New I Do, Reshaping Marriage for Skeptics, Realists and Rebels. I love that title. It's uh, pretty obvious there is no such thing as a normal marriage. There are lots of different varieties out there. we just got to find out which one suits you. Welcome back to the show, lovely ladies. Thanks, Alicia. Thanks, Alicia. I really enjoy writing these uh, intros because there's so much to say about <laughs> what you do. <laughs> um, now, you talk about marrying more consciously and creatively. What do you mean by that? Um, I think that what we're saying is that previously maybe the past 200 years we've gone into marriage for reasons that we weren't even necessarily sure why we were doing it certainly tradition um i i I have a saying tradition trance or trend and um tradition is one you're supposed to be married it's expected trend all my friends are getting married so i need to get married and trance I don't know why I'm doing it. It's just what you do. You do get that. I've I'll... got lots of friends that have just gotten to that stage, and I was one of them. I'm so happy to own this, to go, oh, we've been together for seven years. What do we do now? And you hear this little, little you hear the little, uh, this sort of, and you think, okay, <laughs> let's get married. Right. And, and you know, it's interesting, as Susan touched on, but um, marriage was, uh, it was a duty. Um, in, you know, my grandparents' day and even in my parents' day, um, you were, there, if you were an unmarried woman by age 23, there was problems. Um, you really probably couldn't even support yourself. Women really needed to depend on, on men. Um, you know, back earlier on, I mean, they were, they were men's property. So we thankfully don't marry that way anymore. So before, there weren't really very many options for couples. And as a matter of fact, my father's sister married to get out of the house, which is what a lot of, when she was 18, yeah. when that's, which is what a lot of women did. Um, so they went from one house, they didn't want to be in that family anymore, so they thought they were getting freedom. Well, they ended up having a, a husband, which may or may not have created freedom for them. But we are not doing that anymore. So it really is important for couples for individuals to go, why do I want to get married? Why? Because if you figure out why do I want to get married, you will then know, well, which of the models that are in the book would would suit you. You know, if you're if you're marrying for safety or for kids or for you know uh, freedom, which is would be a lot of uh, marriage. Um, then you'd be geared toward a marriage that's going to fit better for you. So it's really important. Why do we get married at all in the first place? And now, I mean, besides, I think we could probably set aside 
people that are religious get married because of their religious beliefs. But then the other greater proportion of society who don't really stand by any of that sort of yoldy stuff anymore, why are we still even going to get hitched legally doing all that stuff? Why don't we just live together and just chill out? We're wired as human beings to couple. And, um, you know, the, the social construct of marriage is one that does provide a structure, and there's a lot of benefit to the structure. For one thing, there are statistics showing that there are fewer crimes committed when people are married. There's fewer, less mental, mental illness, better um, education scores, and there are many benefits of marriage because it provides a solid foundation. The other thing about marriage, and one of the reasons we do advocate marriage as opposed to just living together is that there are legal benefits that you don't really know or understand until you get divorced. Mm. And then you realize that you had some protections. I've got a woman now who was living with her boyfriend. They have two children together. And while he's certainly responsible to take care of his children, he's not responsible to take care of her mm. the way he would be if they were married. So there there are many, many benefits to marriage. Susan, I'm so glad you said that because it's one of the things that you read about with people that were, you know, going against same-sex marriages were saying, why can't they just live together or have, you know, civil partnerships? Do you like the voice that I put on for those people? <laughs> um, I did. <laughs> oh, they really give me the shits but it's like saying <laughs> well there are obviously the idea of equality and giving people the rights that straighty 180s get to have but it's also this the legal implications of being formally married it exactly that reason why yes. you know i think people neglect that idea that it, it does actually form a lot of power in that in that process well you know here in the states um the supreme court just ruled that um that same sex couples can get married um everywhere in the united states which um it's brilliant which happened right <laughs> before week so it was a very exciting time but right before that um i read a study of why it was really important for same sex couples uh, why they wanted marriage so much and Ninety-three percent of them said for the financial and the legal protections mm. and perks. For heterosexual couples, a few years ago, their number one reason for marrying love, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 finances were somewhere down, a little bit farther down. So the same-sex couples. They already had the love and the commitment, mm. and they wanted equality, which they should be entitled to. Everyone should be. And so they already had all of that other stuff. And it's so interesting that different sex couples are really kind of oblivious to the fact that that there is this huge part of marriage that um, is given to them, and yes. they should appreciate that you know, and recognize it because it is very important. It is important. And unless there is some other structure that happens to society to offer those protections and perks, which we kind of discuss in, in the last section of the book, mm -hmm. then marriage basically is the best thing we have right now. 
couldn't together. agree more. And and if only Australia would jump on board with that. I'm quite embarrassed that I host a wedding podcast and I talk about the you know the amazingness of same-sex marriage and the U.S. passed it and every bloody other country's passed it except for Australia. So that's my little political comment here. I hope when people listen to this, this you know, podcast in the year 2016, 17, 18, it's all irrelevant now because someone will come in and fix it. I hope so. Oh, I hope so. You talk about redefining marriage. Uh, in, and in one part of the book, I love this quote, you actually call for an Occupy Marriage movement. I mean, I would turn up. I would put my tent up. <laughs> Can you explain what that means? I feel like it'd be, I mean, I loved the the 1% people that were against that, but I feel like Occupy marriage might be a bit of a, I don't know, a classier movement, but no judgment. (laughs) So basically, when we're saying Occupy marriage, another way to say that is question tradition. We do so many things just blindly, like carrying flowers down the aisle. Do you have any idea why we do that, Alicia? Oh, no, just to get more money for people. No, it's because (laughs) in the 1200s, they took a bath once a year. And so the flowers hid the the body odor. The stinkies. So there are many things like that that we do that we just do because people before us did it. And we are saying, let's stop doing that. That's unconscious. We want people to say, why am I doing it this way? Do I need to do it this way? Does that suit us? I, yeah. And look, I am ashamed I didn't know about those flowers. That's (laughs) terrible. Most people don't. Terrible wedding podcast host. Now I've been (laughs) schooled in that and I'm going to Google the hell out of it later on. Now, I want to talk about, we're going to talk about some of the themes in the book because they're fascinating. But firstly, I want to say, and this is probably not very timely again for people listening to this in the future, but I would like to ask you both your opinions on why we place so much emphasis on celebrity marriages like uh, Jen Benefer, they just broke up, Brad and Jen a few years ago, Paltrow and Martin. We become obsessed with these people. We obviously place them on a pedestal and then when it all comes crushing down, everyone's completely devo. Why is that? We are kind of a celebrity-driven society now anyway. Um, I'm, I'm not really quite sure why that happened, but, um, but we kind of look to them for, well, I don't really know what. What can they tell us? Mm-hmm. Except, you know, sometimes we actually can learn things um, like from Gwyneth and Chris's conscious, conscious uncoupling. Um, Let's all say that together, conscious uncoupling. People made fun of it, but I think they really put their kids first. They did it the right way, and now it looks like um, uh, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner are doing a similar thing. Mm. They are. He's going to live on the property. So I'm not sure why we're obsessed, but it is, you know, marriage is such a it's just what you do, right? It's yeah. just what you do. And, you know, I feel so sorry for poor um, Jennifer Aniston, you know, fine, you know, the magazine's finally engaged. Finally, like, finally. Oh, they're mental. Yeah. <laughs> and the same with George Clooney, too, totally forgetting that he had been married once before. And I had about um, 40 million girlfriends. He was doing just fine. 
He was not <laughs> struggling. Let's just put it that way. I was a little disappointed he didn't come for me, but um, well, <laughs> there's but a wise I, next I, also, I think celebrities represent um, the fantasy and the romance, and they certainly are a population that, generally speaking, has a lot of choice because they have a lot of money. And, um, you know, we criticize Hollywood for not taking marriage seriously. But again, maybe they're setting the trends of the future. And and I think this idea that they're, they're hunted all the time with the paparazzi, we like to, we love to see them flashy and gorgeous, but then we also love to see them down in the trenches and being trodden on, really, don't we? It's, there's <laughs> sort of something a bit gratuitous about this idea of going, ah, it's not all perfect. It's mean. Exactly. I was just reading about Jada and, um, you know, Pinkett basically uh, saying, how come you guys are seem to be rooting for Will and I to fail rather mm. than hoping that we succeed? It's yeah. terrible, but they make more money. They like it. It's it's evil. And I also think I've talked a lot about on the podcast this idea of a perfect wedding, uh, wedding magazines and a lot of blogs as well place so much emphasis on the look of a day and making it look like a Pinterest board, but have so little time for actually, in the same way they do with celebrity magazines, so little time for actually looking at substance and relationships and actual people and feelings. It's all about bunting and bloody uh, colour boards and blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, I know I talk about that stuff, but I also feel quite strongly against the idea that that's all it's about. Absolutely. Yeah. In- who doesn't want to throw in a party? A party is wonderful. Yeah. You know, why not? It is a big day, um, and you've got all your loved ones there. But, um, you know, I wish that, you know, yeah, some of that energy went into like, okay, well, then how are we going to live after? <laughs> of course. There can be something with that, too. Can't there be? Abundant you know, every day. So- we we joke, Vicky and I joke about the fact that Huffington Post has a weddings page and a divorce page, but they don't have a marriage page. <gasps> That's true. What's up with that? Yeah. Oh, well, I'll be tweeting them that. Don't you worry. <laughs> Come on, HuffPost. We we'll run yeah. the marriage page. I love just reading quotes back from your book to you. Obviously, you've written it, so you know this, but my listeners don't. I love this this quote here. Um, 10% of first marriages don't make it to the fifth year. Shit. That's all I've got to say. Shit. I didn't even, that's, sorry to use the swears, but I have to. (laughs) Scary. My first one didn't. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, you know, it lasted more than what, 78 days. Is that what, um, Kim Kardashian? Celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and that probably has something to do with the 30% of women walking down the aisle who knew that they were marrying the wrong person, um, but did it anyway. Um, so, yeah. It's interesting you said that we had dinner with a friend the other night, and I'm sure she won't mind me saying this, but she is going through a divorce now, and she said it's you know it's been a year or a bit over a year, and we were having quite a candid conversation, and she said, look, I have just come to the realization that I knew he was not right when we got married. It wasn't right, but I was so worried of letting my parents down and letting everyone else down, I just went through with it and really tried to make the most of the marriage, but it didn't work. And I was thinking about in the book, you do talk about getting, being guided by family and being not necessarily pressured, but this idea of not wanting to let people down and and thinking, well, this is the right thing to do. 
it seems obvious, but I think a lot of people still are persuaded that way. In my family, um, my mother gave basically more money and attention to my siblings who had children. I got married late, and this was before having a child with a co-parent was really an option. Um, and so there, there are all kinds of ways, there are overt and covert ways that my family told me I was not as acceptable um, because I didn't get married and didn't have children until I was older. Mm. Yeah, and, and who doesn't go to a family get-together on the holidays or whatever uh, and like, so, what do you guys, <laughs> you know, well, so. Oh, are you still a loser? Yes. <laughs> I am and not then, a loser. And then, then, you know, you're friends start getting married and they start to, you know, it's like bunnies reproducing. It's one after the other. And you look at yourself and you go, what's wrong with me? Why, why am I not, you know, doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, Even for the people who really are happy single or in a happy relationship living together or whatever, they start to feel something's really wrong with me. And so there is all of these external and even internal pressures to do what we think is normal. After writing this book, I mean, there's so much, again, I can, can't, I can't encourage people enough to purchase this book. I think it'd be a really good gift, actually. Um, but after writing this book, where do you both stand on marriage now? A bit of a big, broad question to end our conversation with. You know, I still believe that marriage, um, offers a lot for those people who want it. It's not right for everybody, and it's really good to recognize that you're not marriage material. That's great. Um, I I tend to wonder about um, a lot of the caregiving that marriage does not cover. Um, having both my parents uh, my you know, get ill and and pass away um, in recent years, and um, having to care for them from afar I can see you know I there was not much support and not much financial help and so I I I have some feelings um in from that last chapter of the book about caregiving and caregivers but um I have a number of friends who are getting married again after being divorced and I'm gone to more weddings recently than I ever went in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it is hard not to get a little choked up. So um, I think it can be a wonderful um, institution for people who, who really, really want that. Well, let's hope with all of the you know past couple of weeks with the introduction from the same-sex marriages and people being hopefully a little more open-minded about their marriages, whether you're marrying a boy or a girl or whatever, the stance of marriage can hopefully be a bit more, as you said, be creative and actually have a little bit more, uh, I don't know, make it a bit more interesting, a bit more open. Well, you know, I, when you get a marriage license... And all it does is give you entry to the financial and legal protections and perks. It doesn't tell you you have to be monogamous. It doesn't tell you you have to live together. It doesn't tell you you have to have kids or not have kids. What we would really like to see is couples to realize that they can individualize their marriage 
so that they can decide what will be a successful marriage for them. And when more people start realizing that, you'll see a lot more um, happier couples. Oh, and that's all we can ask for. Just happy. You're only here for a certain amount of time. Just make the most of it. Be with people you want to be with and do whatever the hell you want to do as long as it doesn't hurt other people. Exactly. Put that on the back of your book. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's been such a pleasure spending this time with you. And lovely listeners, if you didn't hear the first episode in this little series, is it a series, just two? We're going to call it that. Please go back and listen to it. The new I Do, Reshaping Marriage for Skeptics, Realists and Rebels is available on Amazon and in all good bookshops and bad bookshops. And (laughs) good book in a bad bookshop. Fine. Buy it. It's like the, it's like a, it's like the worst home on the best street or whatever. Um, you don't care. Who cares? Just buy the book. They don't care where you're buying it from. Uh, I will put the link up on, of course, savethedatepodcast.com. There'll be show notes where all of the notes and uh, some quotes from the two wonderful ladies, Susan and Vicky. And uh, gosh, I could speak to you all day. Just come and live with me. You're fabulous. <laughs> well, you're a lot of fun, Alicia. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Alicia. We had a great time. Oh, it's terrific. Thank you. <laughs> Save the date wedding podcast. Don't plan your wedding without it.